0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, then you probably know by now what this show is all about. I talk about horror, exploitation, science fiction, all that good stuff. Um so today i 'm going to talk just briefly uh about some recently watched movies and just I guess kind of see where that leads um, uh last episode, I was actually recording at the nightlight, and it was a little bit more difficult than it seemed <laughs> so uh, uh just with and I tried to do it in between movies when Most of the times we're just kind of sitting around waiting for the movie to end if we're not cleaning up stuff. So uh, it was kind of fun, but I like the privacy of my office to do my shows, which is where I'm at now. So I have three old school movies that I really wanted to touch on. And whatever I don't get done on this show will bleed over into Movie Freaks. uh, Because some of these I really want to get off my off my review list. And the first one is one that I had honestly never heard of before until I read a Blu-ray review of it and thought, well, I, this sounds interesting. I should give this one a, a shot. And it's from 1960, and the movie is called The City of the Dead. The original, uh, or actually one of the, uh, one of the other titles of this movie is actually Horror Hotel. And it looks like this is on Amazon Prime. So you can watch it that way, but I believe that that might be the uh, the horror hotel version, and I I believe that this ver this movie has been cut a bit, and the the city of the dead version is actually the uncut one. Now there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, I don't want to say controversy, but there's been a lot of talk about this particular release on Blu-ray. One is because it's 1080i, so it's an interlaced. Video, and for us us purists, we want our Blu-rays in 1080p. So the decision to go 1080i was very odd. And on top of that, the original aspect ratio of the movie was, I believe, one six six, and the uh, the Blu-ray release is one seven eight, I believe, and so it's actually. Uh, blown up just a bit, so it's actually not quite the aspect ratio that uh, that the original movie was. Now, having said that, I think the movie looks incredible, and to my eyes, I wouldn't ever be able to, to tell. And it's 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 very minuscule what they they've actually you know when they blew up the picture. It's it's so so minor that it's hard for me to tell Uh, what interests me a lot more is the fact that the movie is uncut now this is still a very tame movie by today's standards Uh, and back then I suppose it might have had a little bit more bite but even then compared to something like compared to something like uh, Black Sunday and Black Sabbath and some of the old Mario Bob movies this is fairly tame but that's not the reason to watch this movie um, you watch this movie because it 's actually it 's a really good movie, so as far as the blu ray itself goes, I highly recommend the blu ray and that 's just from my my one viewing. This is a gem total gem that these old school movies are so hit and miss, especially to me some of them are really good, and then other ones are just bore me to tears. In fact, I just watched one recently called Burn which Burn, and I was expecting, uh, honestly, I was expecting a Black Sunday, Mario Bava Black Sunday type movie, and instead it was more of a mystery, drama, thriller. Uh, and it just felt very, very, very American versus the cool, creepy Italian feel. Now, uh, uh, City of the Dead, I believe that is an American movie, but something about it. Here's what's so cool about the movie. Um, Actually, now that I'm looking, yeah, actually, it's uh, from the UK. So this is this is, and and rightly so. This feels like it. Um, Christopher Lee is in this movie, and he is so good in this. It's good. It's fun to to watch Christopher Lee in a non-Hammer movie, black and white. this long ago because he was so much younger back then and to see him you get so used to seeing Christopher Lee in Hammer movies it's just almost second nature it's like oh it's a it's another Christopher Lee movie and that that's not a bad thing that's actually a great thing the the Lee Hammer movies that the ones that he's in are for the most part fantastic uh but when we get into something like this where it's non-Hammer and it's black and white I think it's it's Something about it was so cool. I'm like, oh, wow, there's Christopher Lee. He's in this thing. So here is a prime example, and my buddy over at Cinema Sidekicks will appreciate this. Here is an example where I cannot possibly see this movie being half as good as it is if it would be in color. This is a black-and-white movie, and the black-and-white is used so well uh, that the only thing I can compare it to is Black Sunday, which Black Sunday was also black and white. And that added to the creepiness. Certain movies need to be in black and white. And Black Sunday, Night of the Living Dead, um, some of the, these movies, they just they need to be in black and white. And they work better as black and white movies. And this is a prime example of one that does. Now, that Burn Witch Burn movie, uh, honestly, I would be surprised if that movie would have worked a little bit better in uh, color and I, something about the movie that that burn which burn, uh, it just felt like a daytime drama TV movie of the week or something like that. It did no, um, this on the other hand had a lot more bite to it. It was, it's, it's still a, a, a total maybe PG 13 rated affair, strictly due to the subject matter, uh, but. I like the fact that back then they had to rely more on great storytelling, great acting, great uh, sets versus copious amounts of special effects. Because this movie has very little special effects, but it still manages to really, really creep you out. So uh, the the storyline is, and here's another interesting fact. I know I'm jumping all over the place. Interesting fact about this movie is this movie came out fairly close to when Psycho, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, originally came out. And it gets compared to Psycho. And I can't, uh, without spoiling stuff, I can't say a whole lot more than that. But while the movies are very tonally different as far as subject matter, this one here deals with witchcraft. And Psycho obviously does not. Psycho deals with uh, a crazy man in a hotel and his mom and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But it's interesting watching these two how there is a story arc that takes place in the movie that, that I can see why people would compare uh, these movies. But anyway, it's uh, a lady goes on a vacation on recommendation from her teacher, Mr. Sir Christopher Lee. And off she goes to this deserted, not deserted, but close to being deserted little town where she stays at this hotel called the Raven's Inn, which would be the quote-unquote horror hotel. And uh, there may or may not be a coven of witches and witchcrafty, devilly things going on. And this is like a really, really mean-spirited Twilight Zone. If that sounds good to you, watch this movie because it is really, really cool. Uh, Things start to happen in the hotel. Guests appear, then they're gone. And the the, uh, innkeeper, this lady, is really, really sinister and creepy. And I watched this movie a week ago and already... I'm looking forward to watching this movie again, I, which is it's it's is so uh, so weird to me. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you can get the Blu-ray, the I'm almost positive that the the uncut version is the on Blu-ray is the only way to watch this. Horror Hotel, the actual title to the movie. This is kind of interesting. Is the the distributors um, wanted to market this movie to more than just adults. So Horror Hotel has more of a creepy sound. So, hey, let this this will get more teens into the theater. And so Horror Hotel, instead of City of the Dead, which was um, much more of I uh, I don't know, adult-sounding, I guess, and of course, for me, it's like when I hear City of the Dead, I think, oh, I just drop in Living, and it's City of the Living Dead, Lucio Fulci's movie. So anyway, but the, the uncut version does have two minutes that are not in any other version. So if you do decide to watch this on Amazon, uh, two minutes on a movie that runs 78 minutes is substantial to me, and I am a completist. I do not like when movies are cut other than maybe Zomb- Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. For the most part, I always always go for the uncut versions or extended versions. They always, to me, seem to be better. I always like more stuff, especially if I really like the movie. I want more of it. And this one here, I can't imagine anything being cut out of this movie. One thing uh, also to compare this movie to Black Sunday, again, is the use of fog. And that was a, a trick used back then, it seemed, to, to such perfection In these movies, Black Sunday is a great example as well. But uh, this movie, City of the Dead, fog and fog machines are used so well to create this atmosphere of doom and dread in this small town that it just, everything about the movie feels so much creepier. And there again, I can't imagine this being in color and having the same effect that the the black and white does. Uh, Now, Hammer did this quite a bit as well in their movies Uh, lots of fog, lots of fog machines uh, to set. A tone. Their movies, a lot of their movies felt um, because of the color, it, like the color added to their movies, I can't really imagine watching uh, The Hammer Frankenstein's, Mummies, Dracula's, Wolfman, all of their big movies in black and white because their colors were so vibrant and their sets were so vibrant back then uh, especially because they reused the same sets over and over and over and so I, it just something about, something about their movies back in the 60s and early 70s, they they needed to be in color. This one here needs to be in black and white. So you fans of black and white movies really should check out City of the Dead. It is a gem. I wish I could say a little bit more for the storyline and what goes on in it, but if what I've said so far sounds interesting to you, then definitely, definitely check it out. But I don't want to give everything away. If you like Christopher Lee, Gothic, 60s, black and white horror, check it out. But really, if you at all possibly can... Support the Blu-ray format. Pick this up on Blu-ray. Yeah, I know it's 1080i. Yeah, I know the the uh, the frame size is a bit different, but uh, it looks great and it's the most complete version available. And there are some special features on there as well that I have not delved into because my pile of Blu-rays has uh, backed up, and so I'm trying to get through as many as I can. And that means sometimes having to skim over some of these special features, which is unfortunate because some of these movies have, especially the older ones have great retrospectives on them about this movie's place in, in history. Uh, a lot of the hammer movies have, s- have such interesting, like half hour. They're not making of, but they're just half hour retrospectives on the movie. And like, especially for hammer, like, okay, this movie came out in this, this period in hammer's career when they were around back then. And, and it, it fit into their. It fit into their filmography. Here, this is what was going on in Hammer at the time. They were on an upswing, or this was when they were starting to have their their. I don't want to say collapse, but kind of a collapse. Uh, and, and it's just so cool. And and especially when they are very honest about things like that. Like you know, I watched um, the the Mummy's Shroud, and I know I've talked about that movie before on this. Uh, on this show, one of my very favorite Hammer movies, and it's and you know it's one of those things where it, once you really start to get into these old classic Gothic movies, especially the Hammer movies, you'll find the ones that that you really really like, even if they're not maybe not the ones that are the most beloved by critics and fans. But for me, The Mummy's Shroud is one of the very best things to come out of Hammer, and I know that even watching the retrospective on that one, they even make mention of the fact that eh, it was, you know, it's middle of the road, it's the second one in the uh, in the Mummy series from Hammer, and it's not as good as the first one, and it's not, um, and it's, you know, it's eh, it's not quite as good as the Frankensteins and the Draculas, and I'm like, I don't know about that. This is good stuff. This is one of my favorite, uh, that was one of my favorite horror movies from the 60s is The Mummy's Shroud, and it's just a Cool movie, very cool movie. But anyway, I was not going to do this show talking about that. But it does tie in a bit to these old gothic horror movies. So anyway, um, yeah, let me shroud back on, back on task now. City of the Living Dead or uh, City of the Living Dead, Big son, City of the Dead. One more time, and I'm not going to edit that out because that's not what uh, cinema, uh, cinema stuff. really does. We have um, warts and all on our on my show because. The movies that I talk about have warts all over them. Big, nasty, gross warts that um, that stink. Like the next movie I'm going to talk about. Ha, ha, uh-huh. ha. Um, that would be Fred Olin Ray's Scalps. Yay. Let's talk about this, shall we? It's something that exists in the realm of movie dome. And I own that movie on 88 films from the UK. Uh, the... Retro Media did a release as well here in the States, which is Fredo Lunray's company. But uh the 88 Films release, I anything eighty eight films releases, I it's I have to have it. Or at least at some point in my life I want to own it, because they're they're the new arrow over in the UK. And I they found a way to get you to buy their swag, and that's by having these red cases or certain like cases, and it's all like they're numbered. So if it's the Italian series, it's numbered. If it's the slasher series, they're numbered. And it's like, ah, you make me want to get all of yours and import your stuff. And I do. And Scalps is one of them because it's so something that exists. Um, Okay. Group of college science students, the worst you will ever ever find, go on a dig uh, around an in Indian burial ground there looking for artifacts or actually what they find seems to be little kids' toys in the dirt. Unfortunately, one of them becomes possessed by the evil spirit of Black Claw, and that thing possesses you, and then you kill your friends and pass on the curse to other people kind of, sort of, I think, maybe. Um, it's something. Uh and it's something that's padded, and we're talking about a runtime of 80 minutes, maybe 80, something like that. And let me tell you, it, um, it goes, and it goes, and it goes. And if you really like to watch uh, actors, this movie was made in 1983, but if you like watching actors that look straight out of 1976 walking around the desert for about uh, 70 minutes, there's about 70 minutes worth of walking and talking and 10 minutes worth of things happening that aren't sucky, then this is your movie. Now, I will say, um, there there are enough good nasty bits in here that I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this one a one star instead of zero. Um, th- there's actually... Uh, this movie here, I, I guess it was completely taken away from Fred Olin Ray. I did watch the uh, half-hour retrospective on this movie on the DVD, Blu-ray, and it was actually very, very interesting to how they made this movie for pennies. I mean, this thing was made for such a low budget. Um, and some of the special effects actually do work in this movie. There is a scalping and a throat slashing that really works well. Unfortunately, the uh, this movie was butch- butchered way back in the day, and... They've just recently pieced together the movie as Fred Olin Ray originally envisioned it, and so some of the footage—the only version that they could find was like from tape. So it's it's a dramatic difference from when you're watching the 16 millimeter film, and then it cuts over onto like. Uh, VHS tape quality, upscaled or whatever. And one of them is a big scene to where this girl is getting chased around for way too long, but then she actually does bite the bullet. And uh, it's a pretty graphic scene, and it's pretty hardcore for a movie this silly. So I could appreciate that. Um, and there's a couple other scenes that that work. Act, they actually do a, a Friday the 13th gag in this one where head gets lobbed off, and then you see the hands come up trying to reach for the head, like uh, Betsy Palmer did in the end of the original Friday the 13th, when Miss Voorhees gets the head lopped off. They do this something similar in this. Of course, it's not as good as it is in Friday the 13th, because Dom Savini versus whoever did the special effects here, yeah, you get the picture. So, anyway, um, supposedly this was going to have a sequel. That never happened. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I'm I, I trying to find a couple good Points about this movie, and uh, one good point about this movie, I will say is it does have some creepy music that is pretty much played through the entire thing, and at first it 's kind of annoying, but then it uh, because the movie is bad, it actually is good enough the music is is creepy enough that you actually kind of appreciate that and it actually sets a tone for the movie so i got to say that's almost a plus for the movie. And then the actual Indian, like once the person is possessed or whatever and turns into this killer Indian thing, guy, whatever, Native American, uh, the mask that is worn is genuinely creepy. Like it's actually a really good face face mask thing, whatever. Unfortunately, the guy is like in, like whenever he pops up, it's this shirtless dude uh, with jeans on and like tennis shoes. And it's like, oh yeah, because that's how a killer Native American guy should look. It's like, what? Uh, but there's a, there's a couple of really good ideas in this movie. And i got to say, the cover of this movie is just brilliant. Uh, seeing the cover, you're like, oh, this, there's no way that this can live up to that cool of a cover. And it doesn't. Not even remotely close. Uh, the cover screams that this should be the coolest horror movie that you've never seen. And it's so sad that it's not. In fact, it's it's quite the opposite. It is a if you've seen any of uh, Fred Olin Ray's other movies, you'll know what this guy does. He reminds me a little bit of Lloyd Kaufman, although Lloyd Kaufman has much more money for his budgets over at Troma than than uh, Fred Olin Ray does. Most of Fred Olin's movies are. Made for pennies. Biohazard, Scalps, The Alien Dead. In fact, The Alien Dead is one of the first horror movies. I. In fact, it might even be the first horror movie that I ever rented from a little video store in Sugar Creek many, many, many years ago. And it was one that the cover, like, ooh, this has got to be good because it's The Alien Dead. And it was awful, awful movie. But uh, he's got some, some movies that exist. I mean, Biohazard, Commando Squad, I've watched that one. Um, Hollywood chainsaw hookers, of course, and uh, there's a couple other ones that if you see the like Alienator, I've I've heard of that one. Warlords, Deep Space, uh, Wizards of the Demon Sword, that's something. Um, Droid Gunner, Bikini Drive In, you see. Uh, anyway, and he's still cranking them out. I mean, he has 143 credits to his name as a film director. Now, most recently, most of them are direct to television or video Well, yeah obviously uh, but he's got one called sniper special ops that's coming out and otherwise he has some christmas stuff uh, prince for christmas the christmas gift a perfect christmas list christmas in palm springs you see all i want for christmas holiday road trip a christmas wedding date things that exist he's made um, but also, make sure that you check out Sexual Witchcraft from 2011 because that's something that he made that I'll never watch. Uh, okay, anyway, enough about yeah, Fred Owen and his things. Uh, so, Scalps, it, was it worth my importing dollar? No, sure it wasn't, but um, I'll never sell it. <laughs> Not a chance. So, anyway, okay, do we have time for any more or should I be done? You know what? I'm going to... Uh, Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah, might as well. Let's just keep on rolling here because this is, this is so much fun, right? Um, this won't take that long. I might even hit on this movie briefly on uh, Movie Freaks because I did want to talk about this. I'm not sure if my co-host over there, Eric Marner, has watched this. But I wanted to talk about House on Haunted Hill. No, not the 1999 awesome, great uh, Jeffrey Rush movie. Uh, from, uh, Dark Castle. I'm talking about the 1959 Vincent Price movie that I finally watched for the very, very, very first time. And I'm happy to say that I was entertained by it as quaint as it was. And it is a quaint movie at an hour and 15 minutes directed by William Castle. Um, as I said, starring the great, the late great Vincent Price. And there's a couple other people that you actually would probably recognize from, uh, from other movies, which I was pretty impressed with, I'm like, oh, wow, well, I recognize him and him and him uh, from from other movies. But if you've seen the remake from 1999, you know the story. It's uh, there's a billionaire or a millionaire actually, and his wife Annabelle, uh, Vincent Price's play. His character's name is Frederick. His wife Annabelle. They invite five people to House on Haunted Hill for a haunted house party, and. Um, Things happen in the house that are a bit unexplained. Things go from bad to worse. People start to freak out. Dead bodies start to pile up. There is a twist. And the movie is all wrapped up just nice and tidy at an hour and 15 minutes. And I got to say, I was pretty impressed with it. 1959, this is very old school, very tame horror. Having said that, there is about two, maybe three, very effective, creepy scenes in the movie that I'm like ah, that could only be, that could only scare me in a movie like this, that is set this long ago in black and white again, um, that if it would be done now in color, it would be the farthest thing from scary. But back then I'm like, nice, that was creepy. But we have the floating heads explaining things a little bit in the beginning, which is odd and silly and old, but it didn't bother me that much. I'm like, eh, it's still cool. Um, and Vincent Price is great. In fact, this is one of his better roles, because uh, he's such a sleaze bag, and he plays sleaze bags so well. Uh, these old school actors, certain ones, you know, Peter Cushing plays put Peter Cushing so well, and Christopher Lee is Christopher Lee, obviously, and Christopher Lee plays the best bad guy. But for some reason, um, Vincent Price just plays such great. British sleaze balls or something. I don't know why. I just he and then this one here is is proof of that. But it's on Amazon Prime streaming. The transfer looks really really good. I'll eventually. I hope to own this on Blu Ray because it is a classic horror movie, and I do think that if you are a horror fan, this is essential viewing. It's been done to death, and uh, there's not really a whole lot of surprises here, but. For those of us that are, you know, one because at this point in my life, I'm really wanting to discover those old, old movies that have brought us to where we are today in horror, and I've gone through pretty much everything Italian, the gore stuff, but now I, I'm almost anymore, I'm starting to go back a little bit further, so like City of the Dead, and this one here, and there's a couple other ones that I've been really wanting to watch, and in fact, I'm going, I'm also going to get into the old universal uh, creature features from the 30s, so I'm looking forward to watching those, because I don't other than maybe Frankenstein, the original one, I don't think I've seen any of those. So, the Invisible Man and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Dracula, I don't think I've watched any of them because I just never was really interested in them. I'm like, Hammer is almost to me where horror started. But it didn't. Horror started with the universal creature features. And so, and even back before that, uh, Nosferatu, which I have watched. Um, so, I'm going to try and get into some more stuff like that and uh, spew my meh reviews on those, whatever they may be, uh, at a later date. But I actually have those coming from the UK. I've got a great deal on a box set from the UK. A whole bunch of movies on Blu-ray, heading my way. I'm going to dive through them. And what's cool is a lot of those movies, the run times are very brief. So 70 minutes, 75 minutes, and it's done. So I can get through them even if they're somewhat... I don't know, slow paced, but to me, when I hear Dracula, I don't think of the old 30s Dracula. I immediately think of Vincent, or uh, uh, I immediately think of Christopher Lee or uh, Gary Oldman from uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which is one of the greatest horror movies of the last 30 years fantastic movie, especially the new Blu-ray release. And now I'm jumping all over the place. I need to wrap this up because I've got so much more to talk about that you'll be hearing about over on Movie Freaks. Speaking of Movie Freaks, we are going to be doing another taping this week, so stay tuned for all sorts of great reviews and rabbit trails and all that good stuff. We always have a good time. And make sure to tune in to Cinema Sidekicks. Those guys are rocking it right now with their top 100, and while I've said this before, while I don't necessarily agree with all of theirs, it is certainly a fun listen. I'm still waiting to hear where Paul Blart Mall Cop falls on Ty's top 100. I'm guessing somewhere in the top 20, but we shall see. So, You have to hold off for that and listen to their show. Uh, You can, of course, get a hold of me at uh, eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. Make sure to uh, check out my Facebook page, although I don't update it that much. Basically, what I'm doing on Facebook for the podcast stuff is generally on Movie Freaks, but I do have a Facebook page on there that you can check out every now and then I update it. But for the most part, Cinema Soft Underbelly is just that. It's the underbelly, and it is. you can listen to the podcast, and there you go. Every now and then I'll post a review, but... Uh, This is free, so take what you can get. Anyway, that's going to do it for my show today. Thanks so much again for listening, and until next time.